0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right. Good morning. We're here for round three of a scheduled (laughs) four-rounder. If you don't know boxing, then you don't understand that. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks and praise for this morning. We thank you for the blessing of being here in your presence Father God, we're thankful that this is a place where we can come and learn and hear and be taught, Father God. And I just thank you that you've given us a voice to speak, that we can speak your word and your truth and ears to hear your word and your truth to receive for the benefit of us and for the benefit of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. We'll start with our, <clears throat> with our lead scripture, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 10. The saying is true and irrefutable. If any man eagerly seeks the office of a bishop, he desired an excellent task or work. He says, the bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, and of good behavior, given to hospitality, hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, nor a striker, not greedy for filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all, I always like this gravity, (laughs) weightiness. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how how then shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being be lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be of good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Likewise, must a deacon be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding to the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Let him also be first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon and be found blameless." So today we're going to talk about a deacon. So what is a deacon? Because we have to go back to the fact to be a good leader, you've got to be a good disciple. So what is a deacon? Well, the Jewish, complete Jewish Bible says a deacon is called a shamashim. Yeah, S-H-A-M-M-A, S-H-I-M, shamashim. And that means servant. It's from this root word called Shamash. The shamash is called the keeper of the temple. But something else, you'll know what the menorah is, right? During Hanukkah. The shamash was the first candle lit. And it's by that candle that every other candle on the menorah is lit during the eight days of Hanukkah. So there's some symbolism in that in the fact that the deacon should be the person lighting the lights of those people around him not carrying just the light himself, but sharing the light. The Strong's Concordance says that he is to be an attendant, that is, to wait upon menially as a host friend. First Kings 19.21, it says that Elisha went back from him, he took a yoke. We heard about how he boiled the flesh of the oxen and fed all those folks. He says, then he arose and followed Elijah, And served him as a menial servant. The interesting thing is Elisha is not mentioned again until 2 Kings. And in 2 Kings, from 1 Kings to 2 Kings is about that much paper. It was anywhere from 6 to 10 years. And one of the things that was mentioned about Elisha is that he poured the water on the hands of Elijah. And you think about this, why would we be interested that he poured the the water on the hands of Elijah? Because he served him, and didn't think it was a lowly task. <laughs> so when we come to the New Testament, then if you go to Mark ten, Mark ten forty five. So people wonder, well, what does that have to do with with us where we're at? Well, Jesus is our example, right? So if he's our example, Mark ten forty five, for even the Son of Man came not to have service rendered to him, but to serve. This word serve is the same one that is as a deacon as a servant and to give his life as a ransom for instead of many. Philippians 2 in the Passion Translation verses 1 through 7. Look at how much encouragement you've found in your relationship with the anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. Do we give comforting love? I mean, that's something that's important for us. Do we give comforting love to folks? When they walk through that door, that's part of what we do. That's first impressions. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in one love, walk together with one harmonious purpose, that you will fulfill my heart with joy and with unbounded joy. Free from pride filled opinions, for they only harm your cherished unity. Notice how I speak in unity, unity. We've got to have that unity of love. Free from all your cherished unity. Don't allow your self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own. And consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one that's set before us. Let his mind become our motivation. Now today I decided to wear a tie. I don't normally wear a tie. But I'm doing it as an example. Would somebody please stand up? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this man, Herb, dresses sharp. You know what I mean? This guy presents an example of first impressions. And I look at him, and I say, you know, if I'm going to work in first impressions, I need to step up a notch. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get through the full suit, because I know if I do, what he's going to do is he's going to come in that tux that he wears. (laughs) Next thing I know, I'll have to have tails. But but no, I, I want to show, when I come to a place, I want to show that I respect the man I'm under. So when I come here, I want to show that I respect my pastors. I want to show that I respect the people in leadership. And I want to show that I respect the people that I serve. One of the things that Brenna was telling me, and I haven't looked this up, but I'll have to take her word for it, is that in the days of the rabbis, the person that served them, if they saw that person walk with a limp, they actually walked with a limp. That's how they so desired to be like their uh, leader, their teacher, so it's just important that we understand some of these things. that We don't have to start walking like limps if somebody has a limp or anything like that. But the idea is that we have to be observant of what our leaders are doing. What's going on in the church? Are we setting an example? And I got to thinking about this, this thing about lighting the candle. If I'm lighting the candle of somebody else in altar care or in pastoral ministry or helping, helping Herb, Back in, in the day, well, you'll see this at the Welling Wall. You'll see the Jews, they'll often be have their book, their, their Bible in front of them, and they'll be doing this. And it's called davening. And I've often wondered why they did this. It's because they're emulating the flame of a candle, for they are the candle of the Lord. And so they're the flickering of the candle. And so they were, a lot of emotion and feelings go into their, their worship, and I got thinking, what do we show? What do we show in our time of worship? What do we show in our time of ministry one to another? We need to show an example. So in Acts 6, we're going to find out about deacons here a little bit. Acts 6, verse 1. Now about this time when the number of disciples was greatly increasing, notice he says disciples are not converts. People were learning. They weren't just coming if they were learning. A complaint was made by the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked and neglected in the daily ministration. Excuse me. So the 12 apostles convened the multitude of disciples and said, it is not seemly or desirable or right that we should give up or neglect the preaching of the word, excuse me, in order to attend to the serving at tables and superintending the distribution of food. Therefore, select out from among you, brethren, seven men of good and attested character and repute, uh, repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may assign to look after this business and duty. But we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The suggestion pleased the whole assembly, and they selected Stephen, a man full of faith, a strong, welcome belief in Jesus as the Messiah and full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procius, and I'm not going to go through all those names. <laughs> Be here forever. And they, presented, they were presented to the apostles, who after prayer laid their hands on them. Notice they didn't say, okay, you guys are good, go. And they laid hands on them, and the message of God kept spreading, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And besides, a large number of priests were obedient to the faith in Jesus as the Messiah, through whom is obtained eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Now Stephan, full of grace, divine blessing, favor, and power, and strength and ability, worked great wonders and signs and miracles among the table. What was his job? He was a deacon, but what was his job? To serve tables. This man was serving tables. how important is it, is it for us to serve tables? How important is us to be at the welcome table? How important is it for us to be at altar care? How important is it for us to just, at coffee, sit and visit with somebody? You know, we can, we can throw all sorts of titles at things. We can say that, you know, well, he's a, he's a deacon and he does this and he does that. But you know, a deacon is just a servant. And that's the thing we have to remember. I always like, it says, well, I'm on the board of deacons. so you're on the board of servants. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a deacon. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you better start deacon. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was looking at this, and the Amplified sometimes says, and I don't like this, but it's just the way it goes, it says, the Stephan was full and controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to meddle a little bit again, so forgive me. Again, if you think I'm wrong, Pastor Sean at. <laughs> but the word control bothers a lot of people. And there's a, lot, there's a whole group of people who think the sovereignty of God thing, that he makes every decision for us. And that everything happens at his will and his whim. If that were true, we wouldn't need Faith because it would just happen. But I was concerned about this one day, and so I I asked the Lord, what's this all about? I mean, this control thing and sovereignty and all this. And he didn't give me so many words, but he took me back to the day when I was a control supervisor at the refinery. When I was at the refinery, when I finally became a control supervisor, I had control, that's a loose term, I had control of over half the refinery. I had both boilers, I had, we were making, my side made the products for gasoline. um, We had the high pressure units. And I had six computer screens that I watched and making adjustments all the time. Now the interesting thing is that at points, there were times I could not make the adjustments. I had to call on somebody outside. I need some cooling on the 47s. He'd go out there and he'd adjust the louvers so that my valves could come back and control and control the pressure, and I had control. That's how things are supposed to work. I need some cooling, I need some help. Pick me. Pick me. Well, while I was the control supervisor, we had this day, a couple instances that popped up, we had this day when we were having trouble with our water system in the boiler house. Now, you have to understand, if we lose the boiler house, we lose the boilers. If we lose the boilers, we lose the refinery. That's all on my desk at that moment. So I called the guy on the radio. We were having trouble with the water level. And I says, I need you to start this pump. I get this phone call. I mean, the the level in my drum is just going like this. And I get this phone call. You know, those instrument people need to get over here and fix this thing. I'm getting tired of having to go out there and start that pump. You know, if those guys would just do their job, and I'm like, yeah, but would you just, you know, would you? and you know, another thing, and my level is just, and I'm sure I said, God bless it, but I can't confirm that. <laughs> but I said, God bless it. You get your butt out there, and you start that pump, and we'll talk about this later. There had to be a firmness. But he went out there and he did it. We did have a talk about it. We kind of explained some of those things. Look, if we lose that boiler, I'm coming talking to you in a different tone. (laughs) And you may not be here the next day. So that was a tone where a guy, it took energy, but he became, I'll do it. Okay, then another instance comes up. We have this high pressure area. So we got 1,500 pounds of pressure over here of hydrogen, pretty flammable stuff. And over here we got 30 pounds of water. And this 30 pounds across the valve is holding back 1,500 pounds. Well, we were starting to lose level. So I said, we need some action. I can't control this from where I'm at. I need some help. So the guys were out there. And I'm doing everything I can on my console, and they're out there doing what they can. And all of a sudden, one of the guys who, he is a sharp operator. He knows what he's doing. He's not stupid. Well, he, well anyway, <laughs> he, he knows what he's doing. Next thing I know, he's on the radio. 10, 9. Eight. He's giving me a countdown for when this hydrogen is going to go from here into that low-pressure vessel, and, and he's giving me a countdown. I can't talk to anybody because he's got the radio tied up. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. The Holy Spirit wants the deacons to deek. <laughs> he wants them to be willing and obedient. He wants them to take an example and show it to the world. He wants us to light other lights. So in the one instance, I had guys, would you do this? I'm there. I got it. We got this other guy that comes and argues. Get a little firm with him. But he did what he needed to do. Then I got the other guy. La, 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 la. This thing is going to blow up and uh, too bad. Where are we in these things? How submitted are we to the leadership of the church, leadership of the Holy Spirit, to do what we're called to do? We have to question that in ourselves every day because there's going to be those days that rise up and, Lord, I really don't want to do that. Listen, Rick. (laughs) I told you to go do this. Got a story from Keith Moore that I thought was really good. He heard about this ministry he wanted to invest in. And, you know, being a good, good man of God, he asked the Lord. Now, think about this. He wants to give into a ministry. And he asked the Lord, Should I give into that ministry? The Lord says, No because I've got somebody else in mind that I want to bless. Okay. So he goes about his business, and he doesn't think about it again. A few months later, he's praying, and the Holy Spirit comes to him. Keith, uh, I need you to give some money into this ministry. As a matter of fact, you need to give everything you've got. And Keith is like, uh, well, you know, Lord... (laughs) I tried to give into that ministry some months ago. He says, yes, I know. But the guy that I wanted to give into that ministry, that I could bless his ministry, wasn't listening. So now I need you to do it. And he cleaned out all his bank accounts. I mean, he was down to like, but he cleaned them out and he, Showed into that ministry as the Lord told him. He didn't do it just because, well, maybe that's what I should do. But the Lord says, I need this much money. And he did ask the Lord. He says, well, you, you, you know how much that really is, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. So he gave that into that ministry. And his ministry never missed a beat. As a matter of fact, when it came back, it came back multiple times bigger. Because God blesses those who bless him, who listen and obey him. So, what does the word say that obedience is better than sacrifice? So, that's something to think about if you're thinking about giving money to something. Lord, is this where I should give it? He might say, Yeah. As a matter of fact, you need to give a little more. Or he might say, No. There's someplace else I need you to give. And if you do that, you're going to get blessed far above than just giving to give. So it's important to know these things. So we know that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. He was, as they say, controlled. But what he was is he was listening to the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost said, speak these words, he spoke those words. And the leaders in the Jewish community came after him, and he spoke the truth in power, and they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the truth. Now, if somebody can't handle the truth, is that my problem or theirs? I have to speak the truth, because see, I'm. What I said on the first day that we did this. One of the things that's important is it says, "Don't all want to be teachers? Because being a teacher requires a greater commitment, and there's a greater." Judgment. But he went out there and he taught these guys. He taught them the truth. They did not receive the truth. And they screamed and they tore their clothes and they gnashed their teeth and they hauled him out with false witnesses that said he was blaspheming God. And they stoned him. Now here's an interesting thing. I think if somebody was stoning me, I might be a little upset and start throwing some rocks back but he says father lay not this charge against them he looked up and says behold I see the son of man standing at the right hand of God and then he went to sleep it doesn't say they killed him it says he went to sleep he gave up the ghost he had the power to do that so we see a deacon here gave up his life for the gospel while serving tables. (laughs) Just think about that. It wasn't a great work. It was just taking care of people. So he worked many wonders and signs among the people. In Acts 5, in verse 26 through 40, one of the deacons that was mentioned, because I could think of his name, was Philip. Philip. I can pronounce that pretty easy. It was Philip the deacon, not the apostle. So everybody thinks of Philip the apostle. Well, Philip the apostle's back over here praying. I'm not saying he's not doing things, but he's over here doing his thing. Philip the deacon went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ to them. But an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and proceed southward. On the road that runs from Jerusalem down to Gaza. This is the desert route. Now I'm sitting in this nice town. I'm preaching the gospel. People are hearing me. And the Holy Spirit says, Go. As a matter of fact, go into the desert. So he got up and went. And behold, an Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And now returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. Then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go forward and join yourself to this chariot. Now, These things are important because You go out on this desert road and you're like, okay. And you know, any number of people could go by. And you're like, well, is it this person? Is it this person? He says, join yourself. Accordingly, Philip, running up to him, heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah and asked, Do you really understand what you're reading? You know, the interesting thing is sometimes that a person could think that's kind of rude. Do you, do you really understand what you're reading there? Do you really understand what you're, what you're hearing here? How you're processing it? And he said, how is it possible me for me to do so unless someone explains to me and guides me in the right way? So what's a deacon doing here? He is explaining and he's guiding in the right way. And he earnestly requested Philip to come up and sit beside him. Now, this is the passage of Scripture which he was reading. Like the sheep, he was led to slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, he was taken away by distressing and oppressive judgment, and justice was denied him. It, saw it, caused to, it was caused to cease. You understand that? It was caused to cease. Justice was available, but it was caused to cease, and not by God. People, I mean, well, what would they say? What are, what are the Jews going to say? What, what are the Romans going to say? What, what are all these people going to say? In that case, we're going to dispense with justice, and we're just going to kill this guy, and everybody will be happy. Who can describe or relate in full wickedness, in the full wickedness of his contemporaries, his generation? for his life is taken from the earth and a bloody death inflicted upon him. And the eunuch said to Philip, I beg of you, tell me about whom does this prophet say, about himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this portion of Scripture, he announced to him the glad tidings, the gospel of Jesus and about him. And they came along their way, and they came to some water, and the eunuch explained, exclaimed, Hey, see, here is water. What is to hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, if you have conviction, full of joyful trust that Jesus is the Messiah, and accept Him as author and salvation of the kingdom of God and giving Him your obedience, think about that. How often, when we have a baptism, do we ask people about that? <laughs> You understand what you're doing here. One of the things that happened back in those days, and I think I touched on this earlier, maybe not, but when you got baptized in that water, you were in front of a lot of people who may or may not like you, who may be saying, he is leaving the faith. We know today that Muslims are known to kill people who turn to Christ because it is a dishonor to their family. It was much the same between the Jews and the Christians in those days. You're leaving your faith, you're leaving the faith of your father to join this group. I denounce you. Not many people here would like to have their dad walk up to him and say, I denounce you. But these guys were asked to do this publicly, that people could see them and could see that they were making a choice. And it was an informed choice. I mean, one of the things that we had a lot of times in baptisms, people come and get baptized, uh, there there was a church that says, give a testimony before you get in the water. Why do we want to give testimonies? Why are you getting baptized? Is it because it's a thing to do? Or do you understand what it means? I mean, I know we teach on baptism. It's not, that, it's not that they don't get taught. But do they understand what they're doing, that in this, in this death, burial, and resurrection that they are showing the world Christ? And the thing is, in this body right now, it's a pretty easy thing to do. Oh, look. They got, wow, this is great. But when they go out in the world... You know, it's just one of those things. He says, if you do all this, then you may. And he says, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the church to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. So here's a guy that served tables that the Lord tells him to go talk to Eunuch and then transports him, physically, by the Spirit, to another place for serving tables. You know, we want we want to be in a way noticed. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, I know I don't want people to know who I am," but we do things to be noticed. You know, it's, it's how we dress, it's how we act, to fit into whatever group or culture we're in. Many years ago, my dad and I played cowboy polo. That was my culture. It was boots, Stetsons, Levi's. Um, we roped, we team roped. We, we did all those things, and that was my culture back then. And I did everything I could to fit into that culture. And so when I started ministering in that culture, I got tied up with a group called Cowboys for Christ. And I brought them, I mean, literally brought them here to minister in Billings. And then through that, I got a chance to travel with him to get involved in street ministry. And I really am not a guy that likes to put myself out there, but the next thing I know, I've got a microphone in my hand and I am ministering to people I don't know on the street and people got saved. People were making a public demonstration in front of everybody, in front of the world there that, yes, I'm a sinner and I need to know Christ. And many people got saved. I've only done that once. Pretty exciting when it happened though. <laughs> I can't tell you, I mean, you'll, you have to know for yourself how exciting it is to be in that place where you're just being a servant. I'm just driving this guy. I'm just driving him to these places so that he can minister at rodeos and these, these uh, different Western events. And yet to be told, you, you got a word. You need to give your testimony. You need to talk to these people. Not me. Was I going to be obedient or say, no, I really don't have anything to say? Do I deny the greatness of what Christ has done in me? You know, honestly. The greatness that he did in me, is isn't that I'm a great person, but he did a great thing in me. He saved me. <laughs> he saved me. He's healed me. He's delivered me. You know, these things are important. We need to understand that when we work in these places of service, there is always the Holy Spirit that has something for you to do besides just serve tables, besides just ch- be a children's teacher, besides just being in worship. There's places out here, people we need to touch, people that need to see the work of God in us. What is it? The Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is glory showing on our faces? Is glory coming out of our words? Is glory, are we pushing that forward while we're serving tables? I was never much of a table server, I worked in the back of the house, I cooked, I took people's orders and cooked them so that I could help the servers. So when they went out there, that dish looked nice, it was well prepared, it was what the customer ordered. So when he got to that table, he laid down a dish that the customer looked at and says, that's good. My my server, I helped him serve. That person out there never saw me. Some people aren't going to see you. But are you serving? Are you helping somebody else serve? My job here. God gave me a word, gave Luann and I a word several years ago that we're to encourage and exhort the body of Christ to excellence. How do you do that? How do I exhort and encourage somebody to excellence if I'm not excellent myself? Well, the excellent one lives in me. (laughs) So out of that excellence, I can give advice towards excellence. I can stand up here and minister and actually do it for 45 minutes. <laughs> but I can do it for 10 or 15. Because at that moment, that word has to come forth. I can bring people into my home. I can take words from the Gospels and I can, I can say, you know, you know, this is what the word says. A good friend of mine, and we talked about that. This is what the Word says. It isn't what you feel. It isn't what's around us. It's what the Word says. Because this is what we have to stand on. And I can bring that excellence in a way that I can speak. You folks all have different spheres that you're in. In your work, in your friends, in your family. And the excellence is in you to give out at any given time. But are you going to be a servant first? That's what Jesus called it. He called himself to be a servant first. I mean, it said, it said back in the scripture, it says, he didn't come to serve or to be served, but to serve. He washed his disciples' feet He stood by a woman at the well that, I mean, that the Jews called dogs. And he spoke the gospel. You know, Jesus, Jesus was the perfect Jew. You need to understand this. The New Testament, it starts in Matthew, right? It actually starts in Acts. Because everything that Jesus did through the Gospels, it was under the Old Testament. It was under the Old Covenant. Because he had to fulfill the Old Covenant that we could have the New Covenant. So he went about Israel as a Jew. I had a friend who's, a, who's Lebanese. And, you know, we always, we always see that, of course, we don't have him in here, but some place, a lot of places they have pictures of Jesus. And he's got this uh, Caucasian aquiline, you know, real thin nose, and you've got the blue eyes and the nice brown hair, and it's long. And it just really, you know, oh, man, I really like that guy. Well, this friend of mine is about that tall. He's got a big nose. <laughs> he's got curly hair. And I used him one time. I says, you know, this is my Jesus example. He's really nothing you'd want to look at. <laughs> and he says, what? But honestly, the word says he was not a man that we looked at him and we says, wow, I'd like to follow that guy. Do you remember Saul, the king? Head above everybody else. And look what that got him. But Jesus was a man that nobody noticed him. I looked at this guy, this Lebanese guy. When 9-11 happened, I mean, he's enough Lebanese that people saw him, and they chased him. And he says, there's one of those. I mean, he's a Christian. But all they saw was, and they chased him. <laughs> Jesus Christ came to make no... He didn't come to say, look look at me. He said, look at the Word. I'm going to teach you the Word And when he died, he died as that perfect sacrifice. We need to die as that perfect sacrifice daily. I I try to find these things in the scriptures. that says that I can, you know, just be whatever I want to be and just do whatever I want to do. And and as I look through these scriptures, it it, it doesn't tell me that. (laughs) I mean, it's got this thing about being an imitator of Christ, how do I be an imitator of Christ? My word in the night. Do you know what he did? Yeah, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I mean, these. I was looking. I was looking at this the other day about how Simeon or Simon saw how the import how the Holy Spirit was imparted on people. There was a demonstration, and he wanted to buy it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm sure he's he's acting on what he knows, right? We buy things, right? I want that, I buy it. He didn't really understand the gift, but he saw it and he wanted it. i was so bad I'm willing to pay for it. Do our lives demonstrate Christ in that way? I have to look at myself. I don't know that I do. I mean, I come to church... We have this time where we're all together and we're all happy and, oh yeah, bless you, brother, bless you, brother, bless you, sister. We touch, we hug. But when we leave here in our sphere of influence, do I leave this place? See, it's easy for me to serve here because you folks accept me serving here. And I accept you serving in your places here. And it's all good. But when I get out there, do I still have that same servant heart? Last week I brought up the Walmart, I think it was last week, I brought up the deal where Walmart's vests used to have on the back of them, how may I help you? Now it says, took six bottles to make this vest, six plastic bottles to make this vest. Which one is more important? That it took six bottles or how may I help you? You know, I saw that one day at Walmart and I went back to the refinery and one of the first things that came out of my mouth when my supervisor came up and asked me something, I said, well, how may I help you? Have that attitude in you which is in Christ. He made no uh, (laughs) words escape me. But he didn't build himself up. He says, I do what I see the Father do and I say what I hear the Father say. How may I help you? How may I wash your feet? How may I tell you the truth? How may I tell you that you're a white-throated sepulcher full of dead man's bones? <laughs> in love. <laughs> but he did, he did it in love. I mean, there's, sometimes there's that shock value. Bang. You need to know. Are we willing for that to come out of us? Are we willing? Are we willing to be like Stefan, full of the Holy Ghost and power, that we come up with the truth against the people that don't believe it? While we're serving tables. How may I help you? I I love that phrase. And when I when I put it to what Luann and I Received in Canada that day of that minister's conference about encouraging and exhorting the body of Christ to excellence. How may I help you? How may I help you grow? How may I help you know the truth? How may I help you be set free? How may I help you in your walk with the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks and glory this day. Father, we want to be helpers. We want to be doers. Your word calls us to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Fathers, we are doers. How may we help you? Oh, Father, how may we help you help this world to reach out, to serve tables full of the Holy Ghost and power with the words of your, of your spirit coming through our mouths to bless, to correct, to give you honor and praise, to show a dying world that there's life and that you are the life. Father, how may we help you? I just ask by your spirit, Father God, that you minister to each and every one of us in our various offices within the church and outside of the church, in our businesses, in our jobs. How may we help you, Father God? How may we worship you with our sacrifice of time and inconvenience to us, but giving you the glory because it's your time and your word for that person in that season. Help us, Father. Help us that we may help you and that we may help this dying world, Father God, know the truth of Jesus Christ, the living God, the living King, the resurrection and the life for us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.